and welcome to The Dirt, in association with Envy. We're the podcast that gets down and dirty with gardening fails and successes. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm G. Rose, deputy editor Blake. You can expect your usual dose of gardening chit-chat and seasonal jobs on the plot later in the show. But first things first, we're joined for this week's episode by organic farmer Sinead, who grows edible flowers, vegetables and herbs on her four and a half acre small holding in East Sussex. Good afternoon, Sinead. Hi, good afternoon. Welcome Hello. to the dirt. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Good. Glad that there's a little bit of rain happening. Um, yeah, you're lucky. We haven't had any here yet, so um, we're still <laughs> waiting on that. I know. But, yeah, it has been quite a drive. I shouldn't rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice to just have a little bit, I think. Yeah. But yeah. I always think the ideal scenario would be nice sunny days and then rain overnight, wouldn't it? That oh, would yeah. be like the yeah. dream. Absolutely. If someone could just make that happen, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> so to kick off today, we would like to ask you about some of your biggest successes in the garden. Oh, successes in the garden. Um I think the first thing that probably springs to mind it's got to be flowers and seeing the kind of different wildlife that comes along mm-hmm. and the the balance that comes with that so I really enjoy kind of letting plants bowl especially herbs and using the flowers but just the amount of wildlife that those bring in like a flowering dill or a flowering coriander it's it's just fascinating so I think it was kind of a fail that first started because I didn't really know about bolting plants Mm -hmm. when I first started growing and I didn't really know that you could eat them. Mm -hmm. But then when I realised that actually all of these flowers are great for wildlife, great to eat, that's kind of like the biggest success, I think, which, yeah, Yeah. kind of turned into a business. (laughs) Well, that certainly is a success. (laughs) (laughs) So you say it sort of started off as a fail. When was the point that you kind of realised, oh, I, I like what's going on here, let's let's carry on with this yeah so when we first started growing in I think it was 2018 so it was that heat wave summer and Mm. I remember I I didn't I didn't have any growing skills whatsoever it was like an opportunity came up to like work on an allotment that I was on Mm. and to like run a project and I just said yes and but I had no like skills background didn't understand that like different plants grow at different times of the year so I was trying to grow some uh, mustards so I was trying to grow mustards in the summer and they just kept bolting yeah. and people were like oh you know start again just get rid of them and it I think it happened about three times and then someone had said <laughs> you know you can like eat them and I thought well this is a revelation <laughs> like maybe I could just start eating all of the plants that keep bolting and that's kind of really where it grew was just especially you know in our second year of growing we had such a hot April and loads of our kind of spring salads just ended up bolting so it's like no I'm not getting rid of them I'm just gonna eat them sell them and let's just work with it and yeah that's kind of how it how it grew really. Mm. I'd love to hear a little bit more about um, how you took on the farm because that's quite it sounds like quite a big project so um yeah what what was the kind of deciding factor in that how did that come about yeah I mean it was it was a bit of a jump um and it was more of just things kind of falling into place at the right time so Adam and I we used to grow on an allotment site but on a community growing part of it so Uh there was a project that we were running and we just realized that we really loved it we really loved working in this field we wanted to make careers out of it but also you know 
make a living out of it. Mm-hmm. And we just, we couldn't on that site. And like, just because of the legal structure of the organization, the size of the, like the size of the plot that we were growing on, it just wasn't going to work. And I think that was kind of around the time where we started looking at what our options were. And a lot of it was, you know, either rent land somewhere or buying land was just not an option for us. And we didn't have that kind of upfront capital. And at that point, we met a group called the Ecological Land Co-op at the Oxford Real Farming Conference. And they, we kind of got talking to them about their options, which is kind of like a rent to buy scheme. So we're now on the land, essentially via a mortgage scheme. Um, and yeah, that, that whole process kind of started in early 2019, took a few months of like applications, business plans, which again, all of it was kind of just winging it. Like neither of us come from a farming background, neither of us really came from a growing background. We were kind of just eating our way through the site that we were growing in just because of things that were like lots of self-seeded plants that were kind of looked after us, but also kind of taught us about a whole different side of growing as well. But yeah, it was, it's all just kind of just happened by chance and really just not kind of been something that we set out to do like three years ago. Be like, look, we're going to do this. That's quite cool though. I like, I like that you've just kind of been learning as you've been going along. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's the best way to go in this type of field, especially if, you know, you're not someone that's from like a farming background or Uh or a growing background. I think it's very easy to kind of get bogged down into these ideas that, oh, I've got to go do a course. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Actually, this industry or like growing or gardening, the best thing to do is just to get on with it. Mm -hmm. Like just get some seeds, put them in the ground and see what happens. Yeah. Because if you've got a good environment, the environment will look after you even if you haven't got a good environment chuck some nasturtiums in or calendula and they'll just they'll run wild so Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's the best kind of thing to like learn on the job as you go talking of nasturtiums just before we move on um i i'm growing them for the first time this year from seed and the little tiny leaves have just started coming through the soil (laughs) and they're so cute they're like they look like I know they're going to look like nasturtium <laughs> leaves, but they yeah. do, and they're just like these little baby mini leaves. Oh, so. Yeah, they're the most yeah. adorable. I always think when they when they're starting to pop up, they almost look like a cheerleader with pom poms, yeah. just like that raising their exactly, arms out. That is exactly like, what it is. Yeah, like yes, I'm here. I'm ready to do my thing. <laughs> I'm ready to <laughs> announce my arrival this spring. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you touched briefly there on. Um, on conditions you know different conditions to grow in what um what kind of conditions do you have on the farm <laughs> yes what kind of conditions do we have on the farm <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is a sore subject at the moment <laughs> um it's it's really extreme here it's so exposed and there's just there's just no balance here so basically our field is it's four and a half acres but it's part of a wider 20 acre field which was just an ex-arable field which basically sits at the end of the south Downs. so i can see the south downs hills now but what that essentially means is that we get so much wind Uh so generally most days it's like 20 to 30 mile an hour winds just kind of stunting all of our plants then at the other side we're in a drought zone so i think today was the first bit of rain that we had but we haven't had any rain for seven weeks, but we're also in a flooding zone. So we spent 
all of October to February just not really being able to walk over our like heavy compacted clay soil so it's it's really extreme compared to like what we came from in London Mm -hmm. which was you know a really nice sheltered spot and you know phones they do that thing where they're like oh look at pictures from two years ago Mm. and we just keep seeing pictures from two years ago of just all of the plants that we just we're not going to see for another few months just because it's so harsh here. Uh, I guess the the upside is though you could probably grow anywhere now. <laughs> You've got the yeah, experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this has definitely been what's that saying that people say it's a bit of a like uh, baptism by fire but this is definitely more of an inferno. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think I think we could probably like deal with most situations now that I think we've, we've become quite resilient after a year yeah. of just either watching things be blown down or like watching the floods watching the drought it's yeah kind of everything because we've seen we think we've seen it all but you know I'm going to touch wood because I don't want to I don't want to you know invite yeah hopefully that is everything yeah yeah Yeah. Um, so I feel like you're you're nicely moving us on towards um perhaps things that haven't gone so well and actually one of the reasons why you're on the podcast is because I saw you post about something a few weeks back which was um some very bougie rats that had expensive taste in peas (laughs) so did you want to kick off by telling us a little bit about that yeah gosh this is this has become a bit of a scenario um or just kind of a bit of a love-hate back and forth relationship um so usually how I grow my peas is I soak them beforehand I leave them for like a day or so in some water and then I plant them and that just kind of helps with making them not so like um appealing to the rodents but I don't know why I decided to do this with the most expensive peas where it's literally like it's four pound for a packet of 60 seeds okay. so whereas usually you know it's like what 99p mm. for 400 so we spent a fortune on these seeds and I just didn't soak them. I thought, oh, go on, I'll just put them in. I'll put them on the table. It'll be all right. Um, and then evidently we just fed the rats or voles or mice, all of them, just the most expensive, lovely peas oh. that they could, could ever have. Um, so, yeah, I've just kind of been learnt my lesson, do it the long way and don't just yet. Yeah don't don't scrimp on it and Mm -hmm. but it's it's been like a problem since so we've our cosmos seeds have been eaten our beetroot seeds have been eaten our sage seeds have been eating like the last two weeks it's just everything because our polytunnel at the moment we don't have any staging above the ground so we just have pallets and Mm -hmm. we're just moving things around trying to like get some height but they still seem to find a way to get up because either we've done something silly like leave a plant next to the table and they've just run up and that's frustrating yeah (laughs) I know it's so frustrating I think as well because it's at that point where I mean don't get me wrong it's also really disappointing when seedlings get eaten but when it's at the seed stage you think oh we hadn't even got started yeah we weren't even out of the gates yet (laughs) absolutely it's like I haven't I didn't even get a chance to like even see you even like just like a little teeny tiny leaf or bit of root or whatever it's just no straight in so we're we've just resided to we're just doing everything in trait like small trays now and they're high up in our other polytunnel for like kind of some of the I guess tastier seedlings they don't seem to be bothered about the mustards or the lettuces you know the ones that are you know relatively cheap to buy they just seem to really like the expensive ones (laughs) yeah yeah so they've they've been branded the bougie the bougie rodents that have really expensive taste and 
you know, it's, it's nice to know that they have good taste, but I'd really like them to stop. <laughs> Just give us a break, please. <laughs> like, I feel like it's every other day I'm going onto seed catalogs, just ordering the same things. Like anybody going through our orders must just be like, what, what is going on here? Why do they keep ordering the same thing? Yeah, like they just really love these peas, don't they? Yeah, like, oh gosh, this, this woman loves a pea, she does. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. <laughs> Reluctantly. Um, so are they the most prolific pests that you suffer with um, at the moment? Or are there any other pests that you're that you're battling with yeah the rodents seem to be the most damaging at the moment and we've got we're starting to see kind of like aphid outbreaks we've got lots of bronze fennel mm-hmm. that's overwintered like with perennials it just kind of comes back but a lot of the new growth is just kind of completely ridden with aphids i think sometimes we have to remind ourselves that we are growing in the middle of a field that's not been you know very looked after over the last kind of 30 odd years so with that comes imbalance and but there's lots of ladybirds on there so we've just been like okay we'll just leave it except that we can't harvest from it now because if it means that like there's lots of ladybirds there Mm -hmm. that's helping Mm -hmm. and a good sign so there's some that you've just kind of got to like all right I've got to suck this up as much as it hurts and I just want to cut it back and start again but you've kind of just got to let things ride out sometimes which can be a I guess when you're trying to make a living and a business out of things, especially when everything's so harsh at the moment, it's, it can be a bit hard mm-hmm. to swallow, but just is what it is. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that it's sort of the beauty of gardening and the difficulty of gardening that with stuff like that, you never know how it's going to go until mm-hmm. you're into the season, do you? It can vary so much. Yeah, I think I think you're kind of spot on. It's it's There's so much joy from gardening but there is also like so much like disappointment and devastation Mm. and I think when you spend so much time nurturing something you put so much love and energy into your plants and then when they're just kind of gone in one foul swoop by either like an outbreak or someone's eaten something and you're just it's it's hard to not just be like oh my gosh like I'm so bad at growing I'm so like this is no good and throwing your toys out of the pram kind of thing but it's, it's all part of the processes isn't it mm. um so moving on to speaking of parts of the process that that you learn as you go along do you have any tips or cheeky hacks or anything that you'd be able to share with the listeners yeah so I think I think our main one is like one trying to make peas less appealing so like we do like we soak them all beforehand and then you know keeping them as high as possible um just if you know if you do have a rodent problem and and I think I think not being scared of like bolting plants mm-hmm. um especially at this time of the year like a lot of um things like kales that have overwintered mm-hmm. will start going to bloom and they'll have like these beautiful little flowers everywhere those can be eaten and they're really really good for like early season pollinators and the sooner you can get all of those kind of I suppose what we often call like beneficial insects in the better Mm -hmm. because that will like pay pay dividends later in the year so letting those kind of things that you've let over winter just kind of go for a little bit and just take them out at the last minute I think sometimes we can be quite quick come you know early April we want to clear everything we want to get ready for like everything that's going to go in in May but actually April is a really key time to have flowers around and have Mm -hmm 
have that food around for wildlife so yeah I would say that's kind of the main thing that we've learned now is actually kind of just leave everything until the last minute in terms of clearing beds yeah I would have to say as well that this is absolute music to my ears because I think Blake's going to know what I'm going to say here. I'm quite a lazy gardener. I know we shouldn't admit to that, but anything that I can leave hanging about for a bit to help to help some pollinators and stuff, I am all for it because I always think I'm very keen to get started at the beginning of the season. But then when it comes to clearing things, I always just think, oh, I don't want to. It's <laughs> It feels like sort of the end of the productive bit of the season. Yeah, so. I am exactly like you. I am a lazy farmer. Like I want to make my life as easy as possible. Like There's so many things to contend with that if I can just do little things to just kind of make my life easier a little bit down the line or... Or like kind of what we've got to now is basically just just eat everything. So if it bolts, then eat it. Um, obviously, you know, urge caution. It's, you know, always ask if you don't know if something's edible. Mm. Um, there's loads of resources online. But um, but another thing that we started doing, like a lot of the plants that we grow, in particular the flowers, they're all self-seeders. So mm. you do them once and they're there forever. So, Blake, you said that you're starting out with nasturtiums. Yeah. Be ready to have nasturtiums for the rest of your entire <laughs> life. They, they will self-seed prolifically. Yeah. But it's, you know, it, it takes a job out of your hands. That's, you know, it's great for things like cornflower, calendula, um, chamomiles, nasturtiums, borage. They're all edible plants that are great for pollinators, great for building up the diversity for the veg growing that you might be doing. But they all self-seed themselves. You do it once, they're there forever. Mm. Have there been any of the um, flowering things that um, that you've discovered that have really surprised you in how good they taste? Um, I think the ones that we're quite like really shocked by, there's a plant called um, Linaria and it looks like baby snapdragons and they taste a little bit like cucumber. Um, so those have been quite surprising and they have like the cutest little flowers. They're really, really dainty. And in one of our polytunnels, we basically have, a carpet of calendula and then because the linaria grows on like spikes we just kind of they grow at like a height mm. so we have like one level where we have the calendula but then the linaria pushes its way through and grows at a height so that's been a really nice flower for one taking up some kind of medium level space mm. but also something that tastes quite good and then oxalis as well um or like wood sorrel mm. or sorrels um so like those little clovers um I think pe people seem to hate them and want to get rid of them, but they taste like lemon mm -hmm. and like they give a really like lovely citrus thing and they're a great ground cover. So if you've got a space that, you know, is usually kind of bare, you don't want it to do with it, just literally chuck some of it in, like it will spread its little way around, but it's so delicious. It's, that's probably one of the most popular leaves that we grow or kind of like flowering leaves that we grow with our chefs that yeah. we work with oh, um so before you go we like to finish on um your kind of number one thing if you were going to tell like a newbie gardener or somebody that wanted to start out farming um what would be your number one lesson that you've learned that you would pass on um I think the number one lesson is start small I think we try to grow way too many things at the beginning. <laughs> Don't go straight for a four and a half acre small holding. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still, still need to have that conversation with myself. <laughs> um, but it's, it's so, 
like when you first get started, it's so easy to kind of be lured in with like the amazing seed catalogs mm. and all of these amazing varieties. I remember like we spent like especially when we first started growing, like spent way too much money yeah. on a ridiculous amount of seeds and yeah, a ridiculous amount of varieties. And you're never gonna get through them all and you won't be able to give them all the attention that they need. And I think it's it's just better to like get a few down and then each year just kind of start adding a little bit more to your repertoire. Mm-hmm. Cause you want to enjoy the process. And I think if you add too much to it, you get stressed out. Mm-hmm. And you know, gardening is supposed to be a roller coaster, but a roller coaster that's more fun than it is not fun. Mm. So yeah, I would say just kind of start small, start with your basics and then start looking at the different varieties or like the kind of heritage varieties or lots of different things. But yeah, I say start small and it's very, it's very hard to exercise. Um, what's that word I'm trying to find? The, the restraint. Yeah. And, yeah restraint when it comes to the catalogs but do and it will pay off yeah yeah oh well thank you so much for joining us and um if anybody wants to read a little bit more about what you're doing you're at allsidefarm.co.uk right yep that's right brilliant well thanks so much and lovely stuff laura i think we need to go and talk about envy Envy is a family-run, environmentally conscious business based in Derbyshire, supplying high-quality, high-concentrated garden solutions straight to your home. Their award-winning range consists of organic fertilisers, soil conditioners and pest control products, as well as some truly unique products that encourage earthworms in soil and improve the quality of shop-bought compost. Envy believes small packages can lead to big possibilities. By using packets where possible to hold their premium ingredients, they're able to reduce their packaging by an astonishing 96% on average. The MV range is available to buy from their easy-to-use website where they offer free UK mainland delivery on every order. The website contains lots of useful growing guides and gardening content for both amateur and experienced gardeners alike. Their knowledgeable customer services team are available to offer help and advice. Go green with Envy at envy.co.uk. That's envii.co.uk. Hi guys. Last week, you'll remember we were talking about um, the peat, peat usage in houseplants and how most houseplants are grown in peat. That was um, mm-hmm. found in a, that recent study, the Telegraph uh, did. It was really sort of some interesting findings there and about 70 or 80 percent of gardeners didn't know that houseplants came in peat as well that was the other finding and then of course the big news this week was um that from 2024 peat-based composts are, are going to be banned uh for for yeah, garden so, usage yeah. that's amazing news yeah it's quite a breakthrough really for for that sort of cause isn't it and environment environment wise it's um it could be quite important. So that's part of the new England peat action plan. Um, if you want really to, to dig into the details of that, we've posted something up on the blog. No um, pun intended. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, so and that has some of the comments from the Environment Secretary, George Eustace, on there. So if you want to read through those in detail, do head over to the blog and have a look. But yeah, we were just all, uh, we were chatting about this in the week, weren't mm-hmm. we? And I think... Mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's 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 got to be good, really. Is it definitely going ahead then, or is it just are they just talking about it at the moment? Because I wasn't, I'm not sure it was too clear. No, it's it's definitely banned, but it's from the ban only comes into force in 2024, right. and there, I think there is a sort of voluntary ban at the minute, but nobody's, you know, well, voluntary ban isn't a ban, is it? <laughs> no, <laughs> um, exactly. And it's for um, domestic gardens and allotments and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You said um, it may still go on in some commercial places yeah i think they said like mushroom farming was a, a big use of where you know there was still an argument for peat compost um you know you know i'm sure they'll find ways to innovate around that there as well but yeah. it's a start isn't it yeah it's amazing <laughs> news for the industry as a whole because i think um it's something that's felt like it's coming or at least should be coming for sometimes so the fact that there's actually just takes that official, nudge doesn't it to... yeah actually official guidance being around it as well I think mm. is um is a really positive thing and yeah and as part of the same announcement there uh, there was a couple of other things they put in 500 million pounds into um they're tripling tree planting in England um and they're putting a lot of money towards uh repopulating areas with wildlife mm-hmm. so it's just it was all around uh, quite a, a big sort of environmental boost um this week really yeah Yeah. I think it will go down as a really historic week in in the horticulture world I think and Mm. yeah very good news um so my story this week was something that I was reading on the Guardian um which I thought was a really cool concept um which is this guy that set up a new website called Allot Me and it's to pair people up that don't have an allotment or an outdoor space with somebody that does Mm. but doesn't have time to look after it or wants to maybe rent some of their garden out to somebody else so it's being um kind of touted as the airbnb for gardeners yeah so i just thought it was such a cool thing i think it's launching in london at the moment um presumably it will get will get rolled out elsewhere if it's a success uh but if you're in London and you don't have an outdoor space and you want one, you should definitely check this out and see whether there's anybody nearby that's looking for somebody to look after a patch of their mm. yeah. garden, etc. Really that's such um, a cool idea. Yeah, you could go and grow some food on it. So, yeah, it's called Allot Me. Uh, the website is allotme.co.uk. So go and check that out because I think it's so oh, cool. Yeah, that's so um, the guy that started up is called Connor Gallagher. Um, and... Uh, what did he say about it? He said, after I moved to London, I saw how people wanted to eat more healthily, ethically and sustainably, but faced barriers such as a lack of space or excessive cost. So many people have no garden or access to outside space and obtaining an allotment through traditional routes is difficult, verging on impossible. There's a huge desire for sustainable living, but often no way of satisfying it. So this is the solution. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm. I, I mean, it has to be said you two what you've brought to the table today it is a good news day (laughs) (laughs) very very positive on all elements of growing but yeah that's um that's a really brilliant idea because I think um there are probably a lot of people that would like whether it's a bit more space to grow or somewhere to grow full stop to be able to particularly in London be paired up and yeah. Outdoor spaces at such a premium, isn't it? In in London, and so many people yeah. don't have any sort of garden. It's um, it's a really it's a great idea. Yeah, definitely. So, moving on, I would like to ask you both how how severely would you defend your garden? How far would you go in defence of your growing space? Um, quite far. I don't know. <laughs> would you? And this is very important. 
Would you go on the attack with giant rhubarb? Oh, wow. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> this is a story that was on mylondon.news. And the headline is, Grandmother, 78, prepares to defend her allotment from Duke armed with giant rhubarb. <laughs> she and her fellow allotmenteers are determined to stop the Duke of Northumberland building flats on their green oasis. Oh Sorry, God. did you say this was news or a children's story? Well, um... <laughs> well, do you know what? It does sound fictional, doesn't it? Almost? Maybe this is what they could do. Maybe they could raise funds for their plot by turning it into a story about a superhero gran who yeah. saves the local green space. It's the fact it's a duke as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well it does actually say here in this um in this piece back in the day dukes or knights had a score to settle they'd charge in on horseback and attempt to knock each other out of the saddle in bloody <laughs> jousting matches but the current duke of northumberland ralph percy wants to win a battle he's fighting in his own london backyard and he's going to have to strap his armor <laughs> to face a much more deadly weapon grace and her giant rhubarb Grace Gray, 78, is one of a group of rebel vegetable growing allotmenteers who are determined to stop the Duke building flats on community allotments. Well, given what we were just talking about, about the lack of space and outdoor space in, you know, places, mm. I think it, there's his proof that people really do want yeah. it and are quite passionate about keeping hold of those spaces. So well, good on Well, them. also here it says um, that Grace has been working these allotments for 35 years, mm. um, that she's grown up um, with it sort of in her family and her mum was a farmer's daughter, so she grew up around nature and has been passing the love on to her own children and grandchildren. Um and she also mentions other people on the plot that um, she brings an old man down who lives in a flat um, and he can just come down there and listen to the birds. Um, yeah, and she's talked about how much it's helped during the pandemic and everything. So, yeah, basically they're, um, they're working hard to, to defend their allotments. Mm, good luck to her. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. So, guys... This has been great, but we do also have a magazine to put together. So, Blake, shall we uh, trot back to our desks? And, George, I believe you've got some jobs on the plot for us. Yes, indeed, I do. Rain has been in plentiful supply in all of our gardens recently, so it's a good time to look into rainwater harvesting. Harvesting rainwater on your plot cuts down on water wastage and, perhaps even more importantly, offers a more balanced nutritional boost to your plants than tap water can. For all the fruit growers listening, June could be your first opportunity to make blackcurrant and raspberry harvests, so keep an eagle eye on your crops. As we move into the summer, there are still plenty of seeds to be sown. Consider sowing kale, swedes and turnips now. June is the last opportunity to do so this year for most varieties of these crops. Remember also, Swedes and turnips need a pH of 6.5 to 7.5 in the soil for best results, so you may need to add lime. Good luck with all your jobs on the plot and happy growing. Thank you for listening to The Dirt in association with Envy. You can find an amazing range of high-quality organic feeds, fertilisers and pest control products at envy.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe for free to make sure you never miss an episode of The Dirt. 
We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell all your lovely garden and allotment neighbours where to find us. Plus, as a special treat, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for the dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash gpod7, that's G-P-O-D and the number 7, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote gpod7 to receive seven issues of our magazine Grow Your Own straight to your door for just $29.99. That's $11.94 off. Every issue is edited by me and the team and is packed with gardening advice and jobs to tick off your list and a big bonus. Each magazine comes with a selection of free seeds so you can get growing straight away. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And on a final exciting note, we're on the hunt for podcast guests and the next one could be you or someone you know. If you, a friend or a family member, has some great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny plot disasters they'd like to share, let us know by emailing thedirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk.